Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Hey, how you doing everybody? Mike Murphy here. Fred Hubner right there. I see you, Fred. How's it going, man? I'm all wound yeah. up and aggravated. Oh, yeah. After watching Bulls basketball, <laughs> you got a busy week of White Sox baseball, you got uh-huh. the Bears. Man, oh man, is it a busy time. 332-3776 if you want to jump in and contribute. And we have the Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll, very active. And uh, vote now at ESPN 1000. So let's see, Fred. How's your hip, by the way? just uh, Is your hip okay today? Well, well, I have a bad hip. Do you? Yeah, okay. and it's not hip. <laughs> no, uh, let me tell no, you it's, it's, I'm, I'm oh, telling no, you. No, no, hip, no, no. Hips, uh, hips can be awful. You and, know, uh, but I'm glad you brought Mitch's that up. is fine. I'm glad you brought that up. we got to get into Bulls real quick, too. Oh, we're we're going to hit that, yeah. right? But Patrick Finley will join us, right? the, uh, the Bears guy over at the Sun-Times. does a great job. And one of the things I'm going to ask him about is his piece today and last night. The uh, headline writers, now we have all learned this over time, the, the guy that writes the piece, the, the beat guy, the reporter, yeah. doesn't compose the, the headline. Uh, nor does he compose what they call the captions under the different pictures. Right. But if, you, if you're looking at the Sun-Times story, Patrick Finley, here's the headline. Vanishing hip injury means Trubisky starts. Yeah. Now, you can just say, well, so what, Murph? You know, it was a conspiracy theory. What are you doing? I'm just saying it's odd the way the headline writes, the vanishing hip injury. Like, you know, wow, what happened? And there's a little caption up here. There's the picture of uh, Mitch Trubisky ready to throw a pass. You mm-hmm. know, garden variety, bread and butter picture. Uh, Bears, and again, this is not written by Patrick Finley, but we'll ask him about this when he comes out in the 10 o'clock hour. Bears quarterback Mitch Trubisky practiced all week after being pulled in the fourth quarter of the Rams game with what was called a hip pointer. Yeah. Now, that's just a funny way to phrase it. What was called, it could have just said pulled because of a hip pointer. Right. What was called a hip pointer. I know. So uh, uh, we're going to ask. We're not supposed to believe anybody anymore, apparently. Or is there an underlying uh, murmur still? I thought this was all put to bed Tuesday and Wednesday, you know. Yeah. So we'll find out if there's still anybody in the media, not necessarily our guy, yes or no. It's still skeptical because all of a sudden you start looking again and going, it seems like there's still some doubt somewhere in someone's mind. I know exactly what happened. You'll have to wait till 935 <laughs> to hear about it. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're going to hold it, we'll hold it back, right? I know exactly what right. happened. Exactly be, be what happened. tease you. Yeah. So, did the Bulls bottom out last night? Oh, my God. You know what? That's... That's a phrase like in, in, in many different walks of life. Well, you know, until you bottom out, you can't get better. You know, until you admit you got a problem, uh, you can't get. I'll just say this, Fred. They're all lucky. And I'm not talking about just the Bulls. They're all lucky I'm not in charge because I'd probably fire everybody. And then I'd always be looking for new people. Because you look at what's going on with the, uh, the Bears. After that game ended, I'd have fired everybody Monday morning. Sure. Now, that's probably not the prudent and smart, long-term, wise thing to do. But that's why they're lucky I'm not in charge. You look at the Bulls game last night. If you didn't watch it, we did. We'll give you a little uh, shoehorn in, a little thought or two. If you didn't watch it, 
Count your blessings. Miss a little. You, oh, you, my you Lord. Miss a little, you don't miss a lot. You would, if, after watching that game, you never want to watch another Bulls game. The Blackhawks. Now, I, I know the guys over there, they do a great job. The top guys, you know. But, like, even again today, uh, the uh, Tribune writes how uh, Blackhawk head coach Jeremy Colleton defends his odd lineup decision. <laughs> and it's been going on now. And, you know, we all watch a little hockey. I want to say I, I know enough about should you have 12 forwards or 11 forwards, yeah. you know. They were hot for a while. They lost a couple after winning three or four in a row. And the so. Cubs, well, obviously, they're all lucky. to Now, if I were Tom Ricketts. I don't know, but I'd still be doing the Saturday morning. I would. I love being here with uh-huh. Fred. I'd be in here doing the Saturday show. But we'll get to this. It's just a little sidebar, as they say. But we'll dissect some more crazy, well, I think, moves by Theo Epstein uh, behind the scenes. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, Fred, we, we can't escape the inevitable. No. Quick look at the Bulls last night. The Bulls, uh, they lose 116 to 108 to the Heat, but the score no. is not indicative of how badly they played. No, no. They played so badly, they were down 15 to nothing in the first quarter. It was bad. And then when they finally scored the first basket, the uh, United Center crowd gave them a standing ovation. <laughs> They scored the first basket, made it uh, fifteen to two or fifteen to three, whatever it was. You know what Harry used to say, Carrie, Harry, Carrie, the crowd cheers derisively. Yeah, well, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. They're getting into business. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at people sitting in the stands when the second half was starting, when it was what fifty three thirty something, fifty three thirty two or something like that, and I've, I'm wondering why are you still there? Yeah. It's, you're, you're down by 21. I guess they were there for that three minute run at the end of the game when they were when uh, Denzel Valentine came in and he was hitting three threes. It's always that. Uh, Max Struess was getting off the bench and seeing him playing time. I honestly not, I didn't know they had a guy named that. Yep. He's from around here. I should have yeah. known him, right? Harry Hills played at DePaul. Cool. Was playing for the Windy City Bulls and they brought him up when I they had some injuries. I go, who is that? Yeah. He was in before uh, Denzel got in, who then uh, three out of four threes. Oh, how about we talk about three ball shots? You know, this is a mess. This is a hot mess. Not only are Markinen and Levine bad, no longer one, two. You know, they're I don't know. They four and five. Do they even? Yeah. Here's another thing. If I were in charge, you know what? They they play today, right? Yeah, they the play bo- tonight against Charlotte in Charlotte. Yeah. You know what? I, he may do it. Boylan may do this. He should. I'd start the whole second team. Yeah. The whole second team. Well, I'd let Carter play. I, th- I think Wendell Carter's been playing well. He goes to the bench anyway because he gets like in foul, foul trouble. trouble. I know. Well, yeah, he, he keeps too early again, and he, then they talk to him. Then he gets a third cheap one. It, he keeps looking to get fouls called, and he's still a young guy, and he's yeah. not going to get them no. called in his favor. It's not going to happen. And uh, it was absolutely brutal, and uh, it was just just embarrassing. And after the game was even more embarrassing. Three. Listening, listening to the whining baby uh, well, Jack we, Levine after he uh, did he get his juice box maybe got, an orange. <laughs> we got the sound bite My three God. three two three seven seven six. If you were in charge of any of our, you know, I'm going to let the White Sox off the hook. I mean, the White Sox right now they're they're the only team that looks like they know what they're doing. They seem like it. I, I mean, mean, they bring in Yasmani Grandal. Yeah. They give a three-year deal to Jose Abreu, and then you can't get... I'm a Sox fan forever, but you can't keep White Sox fans happy. I can't tell you how many people <laughs> I heard saying, oh, why'd they give him a third year? Well, he only led the American League in RBIs. So, yeah, why give him a third year? There's They gave him like $14 million the third year with $4 million deferred. 
that's a drop in the bucket. Mere bag of shells, as they say. Sox expert, uh, Sox expert Chuck Garfine joins us a little bit later in the oh. show in the 10 o'clock hour. He said, yeah, I'll give you guys a call. Three, Maybe three, by then two. we'll have Zach Wheeler in the White Sox. 3776. Did the Bulls bottom out last night, or is there farther down to go? <laughs> Then you know they've played they've played six teams with above five hundred records. Yeah, one six. Oh and six. Yeah, yeah. Right. Have not beat one yet. How about this? So the coach pulls star of the future, Zach Levine, three <laughs> and a half minutes into the game. Star of the future. Three and a half minutes into the game. And then after the game He's a star in his own mind. After the game, Jim Boylan, is it too soon to call him the much beleaguered? Uh, no, I'd be beleaguered, too, if I had to coach this team. You know, I want to like this guy, and I think I do like him, and I want to feel sorry for him, but I never really want to feel sorry for anybody in sports. You know, they're doing, they made their bed, they're in it. But in my opinion, too many people are quick to f- always yeah. blame the manager, the uh-huh. coach, yeah. whatever it is. It's always their blame. Uh, when a guy's not hustling, oh, it's the coach's fault. No. Coach Boylan, why'd you pull Levine three and a half minutes into the start of the game? Because I, I didn't want him in the game. Either did anymore, we. Sam. I, I think he needed to come over and think about it. He had three egregious defensive mistakes that I've talked to him about. I just pulled him. I didn't, you know, I'm not combative. Guys know. They know. Guys know. Zach Levine and, and, and Larry Marketing and our starters got to play better. They got to play better for us to become what we can become. That's how it works. Highlights courtesy NBC Sports Chicago, Fred. He's exactly right what he said. He said, I have talked to him about these, and he said, the guys know. You think the other guys, the other seven guys sitting on the bench when the starting five are out there, you think they don't know what's going on on the the court out there? You think they don't see Zach Levine playing horse bleep defense? They play dead. They oh came my God. out deader than dead. Yep. It was um, so last night. So I always record the game, you know, got it recorded, and the game's going to start at whatever, you know, seven oh seven, and something. I'm doing something over here, so I I turn on uh, the TV, but I don't go to the beginning, uh-huh. and I, you know, right seven twelve, and it's thirteen oh. You figure what could I have missed right. by now? It's thirteen to zero you at this moment. Of, you it, miss a lot of Kendrick Nunn. It will go to fifteen zero. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's thirteen zero. And I have to be honest, I didn't realize right away that Levine was not in the game. I, cause I'm just coming on now and right. they just evidently, it, so I had to go back and replay the beginning, you know, at the end of the game to see why he was out. But that's defense. How about offense? Here's Markinen from the field, Fred, three for 12. Yeah. And three point line, oh for four. Now, Levine, Six for 14 from the field, but also 0 for 4 from three-point land. So you got 0 for 8 behind the line for your two stars. 0 for 8 three-balling. Yeah. And and Levine complaining, and we'll hear from him in a minute, Levine complaining after the game about being pulled. Uh, look, the final numbers, Zach Levine played more minutes than anybody in the Bulls last night and had the worst plus-minus. Yeah. He was minus 19. You know why that is? Because his defense blows. Before we get to the Levine, we'll get to the phones, three three two three seven seven six. Have the Bulls bottomed out, or is the bottom even lower? I see that uh, C. Red is on the line. We'll get right to him. But Fred, the Boylan, we just played the Boylan cut. Yeah. What uh, didn't give this all total justice 
it was the third or fourth time that a reporter prodded him. Uh-huh. It was pretty interesting, the uh, post-game press conference. The presser, which I won't use that word. Well, during the game, if you're watching the game, if you yeah. saw more of it, uh, when oh, yeah. they pulled... After they pulled Zach Levine, they went to their guy in the stand, Casey Johnson. Yeah. And Casey Johnson said the most amazing part of this is that uh, Jim Boylan pulled Zach Levine. That will, without a doubt, be the first question in the postgame. And this is when the score was like 15 to nothing. Uh, this is the first thing that Casey Johnson had to say. So, obviously, that was the, probably the first thing asked after the game. So, the first reporter, you know, why, why'd you uh, pull him? Yeah. And he said, you know, well, I, you know, just, and then well, why'd you pull him? And then he, you know, danced around that. And it might have been the third, uh, or maybe it was even after the third wide jump. And finally, they nailed him down. We're just going to play the, I just love the first few seconds here. Why did you pull him, Jim? Because I, I didn't want him in the game. Okay, well, there you go. Either did we. <laughs> We didn't want to see him out there anymore. Uh, and again, most minutes for the, any player in the Bulls yesterday. Mm-hmm. 29 minutes, 25 seconds. So he can complain and cry and have his juice box and, you know, maybe get someone to pick him up for the game. Okay. Know. So then the uh, reporters, and I don't know exactly. Now, when we're watching uh, the post game on NBC Sports Chicago, mm-hmm. Fred, and the Boylan, that's not live. I don't think because they I, I think the they commercials. Right. Then they now let's go to the coach. So I don't know if it's but and then right after that they run a few more spots and then they go to the reporters at Levine's locker. Right. And again, I don't know if that's real time or if he had heard. See, here's what we don't know: had he already you know looked out a tweet or did he know that Boylan had said the three egregious defensive errors or not? But here's what happens next. Uh, here's uh, Zach Levine, and they uh, gathered around him. I guess I was uh, the blame for it, you know. So, you know, I got pulled early before by him. I guess that's just his thing to do. I got to take it with stride. I'm not the coach, you know. What do you say? I get pulled for. You said you made three uh, egregious defensive mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Things, you know, got thirteen points scored on him. I guess, or you know, it was a start five. Thirteen were my fault. So, He's I remember joking. seeing three egregious mistakes. Um, I think I was supposed to show on one, um, and I didn't. I told him to, you know, because Jimmy doesn't. Uh, Jimmy usually does set screens. He slips out of them, so I didn't want to show and have him, you know, cut right to the basket. Um, but they told me to show, so I didn't show. Um, the other two, I don't know. I'm not going to be perfect out there. I'm not going to say I'm a defensive player of the year candidate, but you know, I'm going to go out there and definitely try to you know, compete. I feel like I've, been, I've done a really good job on my man. I've done a lot better job of uh, rotations and things like that, but you know, I'm still working out just like everybody else on this team is. Yeah, smarty pants answer. All 13 must have been my fault. Yeah, he said. And what he said also there is, he said, they told me to show, but I didn't show because Jimmy usually does this. And then he said, he goes, but they told me to show and I didn't. Yeah, that's why you got pulled. You didn't do what they told you to do. So how? It's that simple. And why, what more explanation do you need? Let's go to the phones. Uh, see Red Fred first in line. He's in Bartlett. Hey, Fred. Hey, guys. How you doing? Okay, Fred. Yeah, I've been better, to put it mildly. <laughs> let, let me say something. You want to know a great way to lose credibility with your team? By most accounts, Denzel Valentine was a leader for this team two years ago. He misses all last year with ankle surgery. He comes back. He works his rear end off to get back. And he can't see the floor for a full month. In fact, they're up 20. They're losing by 25 to the Houston Rockets. He doesn't see the floor. They're up 20 against the Pistons on Wednesday. He doesn't see the floor. 
last night, and, and, what, and Coach gets asked by Casey Johnson, why isn't Denzel playing? Because uh, I said so. And then he needs more seasoning. Well, last night, this stinking team is embarrassed by the heat, and Valentine finally gets in with five minutes left. He hits three three-pointers for this team that can't hit a three off stinking season, and he hits three three-pointers. He's a plus 13 in five minutes. And what? And, and does he need seasoning? Does he need seasoning? How about Gafford, who rode the pine for a full month? He comes back, scores 21 points. I had to watch Luke Cornett play 100-plus minutes. I could tell after 10 minutes that bum couldn't play. Yeah, but who, Fred, Fred, Fred who, went out, who went out and got Luke Cornett? The front office exactly. did, but they also drafted exactly. Gafford. They also drafted Gafford. Hey, hey, I agree, Fred. There's a lot of problems with the front office. This team is too talented to be 5-11. and 11. And the thing with it's Valentine, with the, thing with Valen- the thing with Valentine, we have no idea what Valentine does at practice. If Valentine doesn't work hard at practice, he's not going to get on the floor no matter what, how many threes he hits. I, I do know what he did yesterday, and I do know two years ago, on the court, right? 38.3% from three. He can hit the three, and you must hit the three in today's NBA. This team's near the back. It's one of the worst teams in the league at hitting the three. You're right. still rode the pound. You're right. Hey, the hey, hey, hey Fred, uh, if you're sitting down, I hope you are, here's Joe Cowley uh, last night oh. and today, sometimes Bulls beat guy, and you know, I love Joe because he's always got an angle. He's always got an edge. Sometimes it's a little too far out there. Sometimes it's not, but that's his job. Here's the uh, story. Valentine's future may be elsewhere. He mentions all the uh, different uh, guys they have at the same position. It looks like he'll be odd man out. So you would not like to see that uh, tra- uh, trade move, would you? Well, well he, should, he should absolutely go somewhere else. He's not going to play for this coach. <laughs> okay. He had Otto out. We had Otto out, we had Hutch out, and he's yeah. playing a point guard in Shaq Harrison at the three. That will work against Detroit, who doesn't have a wing uh, worth, worth a G League talent. But when you play a team like Miami, you're down 15-0 to start the game. See you, Red Fred. Thank you, buddy. All right. Look. All right. Appreciate it. Three, three, no, two, three, enough, seven, seven, six. There's enough to complain about watching that game and what the front office did. Yeah, Luke Cornett, I don't like Luke Cornett, but the Bulls went and got him. So J- Jim Boylan puts him in. He's bad. I wouldn't be playing him either. Uh, he's hurt right now, and we're seeing that all of a sudden Daniel Gafford comes off the bench and he can play. And for a team that right now has the record they have at 5-11, and 11, Daniel Gafford should be playing a hell of a lot more. He played 14 minutes yesterday. He was 3-3 three of three from the field. He had three, um, three RBIs. He had three rebounds, uh, three fouls, a couple of block shots. He deserves to play more, and now hopefully he will. Fred, this guy Gafford, he had one of the most... To me, amazing. You know, we have stat of the week. Right. Stat. This might be stat of almost all time. Now, I don't know how often this happens. Uh, when Gafford uh, got in the other night, you're talking about, he responded with, listen to this, 20 points. All right. 10 for 12 shooting, like your five boards in 20 minutes. But here, Gafford responded with 20 points, and they were the first points of his NBA career. Yep. So, how many guys. Now, it doesn't say it was his first game, because I think he might have had a few minutes here and there. Right. But how many guys the first game they ever score an NBA point score 20? Three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. Not, not, not big number, you know, six or seven guys coming in off the, off the bench. Yeah. Usually guys that get a chance to start right. Right, out, right out of the box if they're good players and things like that. And I'll tell you what, after the game, this is when it really got good. Uh, Will Purdue and uh, Kendall Gill, right? Uh, they had some very interesting things to say about what happened in the Bulls game. Oh, by the way, Bears talking a couple of minutes. Chuck Garfine, 
Oh, I'm sorry. Patrick Finley, uh, of course, our Bears guy from the Sun-Times. Chuck Goffin, our Sox guy, uh, later in the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, hey, Mike, Chicago Heights. Hey, buddy. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, listen, I'm not going to get as passionate as the last <laughs> caller, but, uh, you know, I thought Ringling Brothers uh, retired. This circus team that's on the court just is a joke, but yet 21,000 people keep paying their top dollar. Well, actually, just for the record, hold on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Hang on, Mike. They had 2,000 unsold tickets last night. Just just for the record, they hold 20,900. They had 18,900. So there were 2,000 fans disguised as empty chairs. The old joke. So uh, Yeah, like the old stadium. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, well, that was 16,666. And the fire marshal, they had to give him a few bucks probably and put 30, you know 23,000 in there. But, but you know what happened, Mike? So many people have waited for such a long time to try and get in to see a Bulls game that they have their kids. And they, well, but they have their kids. What I'm saying is they have their kids and they want, to take, they want to take them to a game and they finally get a chance to get tickets. The odds are... The the big question is, how many come back for a second and third time? You know what I'm saying? Not me. Now, Mike, <laughs> Mike raises, Mike, you raise a great point. Stan, now work, work with me on this. If, okay. if sports teams these days, it's just my opinion, if sports teams these days relied on, quote, unquote, real fans, hardcore fans, like, you know, I like to think of myself and you, Mike, and Fred, if they relied on just guys like you, Mike, They'd go broke. Yeah. So it's all Me too. times have changed. I don't mean that, you know, uh, you're not changing with the times. I don't mean that. What I'm saying is it's now entertainment. You take the kids, you go there, they got the balloons on their head like the bowl and they're the dancing and they got the halftime in between. You know, it's like minor league baseball people used to laugh at it. Now they do it at big league games between the half innings. So, Mike, everything you say, I agree with. But. That's not who they are marketing for anymore. See what I mean? Yeah, I do. And, you know, and my mother, who is 90 years of age, says, you know why the players don't care? Because they have a contract. Well, the, the, some players don't care. You're right. And I feel the same way about that. And everybody talks about the guaranteed deals. And in the NBA, the, the amount of money that they're getting paid is ridiculous. But it's either they make the money or the owners make the money. So See, the other know. problem, Mike and Fred, is if you did have one-year contracts, is what you, you know, your, your mom, right. God love her. If you had one-year contracts, they'd all be free agents in the uh, off season, right? Everybody, <laughs> and then you know the top guys would make probably even more money because there would be you know a crazy thrown it and then the low guys would make less so you know sometimes you can't you know don't, don't wish for for it it might happen but say hi to mom okay thanks mike you got it thanks mike three three two three seven seven six yeah the, 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 they are and you bring up the point because if you were just uh and i heard cap say this again the other day yesterday because uh chris black invited him to a bears game and he said ah, i guess i like to watch my football on my couch Diehard fans would rather watch football. I'm a huge football fan. I, the last thing I want to do is go to a game. I want to sit and watch the game on the couch so I don't have to deal with the traffic going there, the traffic coming back, won't miss a play. Did you ever watch at the start of the second half of any NBA game or oh, yeah. any NFL game? No the stands there. are empty because yeah. <laughs> people are either in the bathroom or in line for food. It's terrible. How about a Why Bears? would you go to the game? They're trying to buy a sandwich at the Bears. I oh, know. My- well, Cap went the other day and got some tea at the uh, at the Hawks game. I didn't know they sold tea at the Hawks game, but you know that was Cap, nice. To I, see. I heard I heard Cap talk. They talking about his celery and his in his salary and almond butter. Car. That's right. Keep it cold.
Celery and almond butter. You can't beat it. Is I, that, like, I like celery and regular peanut is butter. Is that fresh Sorry. celery he's got in there? Yeah, like but new? you keep it in your car. Or like for, you know. Car's cold. It's just like being in the refrigerator. It's fine. But he put it in there in July. <laughs> he put it in there during the Cubs winning streak and he forgot all about it. We got Bears talk next. So let's slide in Bear fan Bob. Hey, Bear fan Bob, we got Bears talk coming hey. up. Why don't you get us rolling? Absolutely. Go. Sure. Good morning and happy, early happy Thanksgiving to the both of you. Because when I come on the air, it's going to be over next time. Well, not if so, you come on with got, me. And, not if you come on with me and McMichael on Thursday morning. It won't be. Uh, that might be a possibility. There you I'll go. Be traveling to Indiana with my family. There you go. I'll go see my family. Uh, anyways, we got the two game bonanza this week. Game one with the Giants. I think this is going to be a low scoring game because this is battle of the bad. Battle of the Band? Oh, I thought it was a Battle of the Bands. No, I got you. That's good. That's good. B-A-D, bad. I don't know which team is is actually worse. I think it's going to be a laugher because I'm going to be sitting up in the stands laughing at which team is going to be worse. You know, Fred, I got double nosebleed seats up there. I actually like going to the games because I'm not running down to the bathrooms at halftime. I have a stadium camera shot. Okay. Yeah, we don't want to ask. I actually like it, you know, okay. and it's okay. No, a lot of Game people love it. I just, I, I'm not one of yeah. them. Hey, Bob, let oh, me yeah. leave, let me leave yes, you with sir. this. We're up against Bob. If the first yeah. play, if the Bears' first play again from scrimmage is a handoff to Cohen up the gut, I'm going to turn the TV off, and then you can text me all game and tell me what the hell's happening. Thanks, Bob. Got to run. I would be more than happy to. All, all right, right but happy Thanksgiving day. to you, too. You know, what, bye you, know, bye. you know what they didn't do on the first play? I think this is the first time in three weeks. They didn't have a, a fullback in the backfield. Yeah, you know how well, they didn't have a fullback in the backfield the entire game. If they I'm had not mistaken, one offset eye. Did they? Okay. No real eye. Yeah. And they had zero rollouts. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Bears talk next. Vote now. We That's got all a Mitch's fault. Great Twitter poll uh, a series today for you. Who will be gone first? Trubisky, Nagy, Pace, or McCaskey? Vote now. Who will be gone first? Oh, did you see the next one, Fred? Who should be gone first? There you go. Trubisky, Nagy, Pace, Would be or should be. Vote Two now. different ones. At ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred, Midwest, first Midwest Bank studio. About uh, 30 seconds away from Patrick Finley. We'll get to some White Sox talk next hour, Fred, with Chuck Garfine. Yep. And the, another crazy uh, press release from uh, Wrigley Field. Thea won the boys, but... Let's talk little bears. Murph here, Fred there, Patrick Finley. Hey, Patrick, how you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys? Well, good. You uh, cracked me up. This was beautiful. Now, you know, there's so much to read and file, but I always check in with the Sun-Times guys. And, Fred, did you see this? Patrick's a man after my own heart. He's talking about the uh, bird feeder in, in his backyard. Did you see this? I, this I missed the bird feeder. So far this season, uh, Patrick uh, writes, evaluating Mitch Trubisky has been like watching squirrels trying to climb up a bird feeder. Sometimes they do something spectacular, but usually they fall to the ground but either way, it's entertaining. <laughs> now, what I do, Patrick, and I'm sure you have one in the, your backyard, or you wouldn't be able to depict it so uh, vividly. Uh, Vaseline on, on the pole or uh, even WD-40. Have you tried that yet for the squirrel? I have not. That's good. I know that they sell 
uh, <laughs> one of those ads seen on TV bird feeders where they'll spin around and send the squirrel flying uh, um, uh, multiple feet in the air. That's, uh, yeah. uh, I thought that'd be my next step. But Actually, that sounds more entertaining. <laughs> you draw the parallel that it's entertaining to watch the squirrel because sometimes he does a great job and quite often he goes flying. So uh, why'd, you, why'd you parallel that? Bill? We know why, but with, with Mitch Trubisky. Well, the, the, in that column in particular, I was trying to argue that Mitch was the only thing left worth watching. And, you know, you listen to Bears fans, especially after Sunday's game, start to clamor for Chase Daniel, but I, I don't know what the heck that accomplishes. Chase Daniel's not under contract for next mm-hmm. year. He is most certainly not your quarterback of the future, and maybe you're able to say that about Mitch right now, too, but I, I think there's, only, there's really only way, one way for him to go the next six weeks, and, and that's to get a little bit better. Um, you know, I think he's, uh, I think a lot of people inside the building are already question whether he uh, is their quarterback next year. I think he's got six games to try to change their mind or, or try to reinforce whatever positive belief is still left in him. Uh, for those reasons, I mean, I think he's the only interesting thing left here. I mean, this is a team that's got a one in 100 chance of making the playoffs. One in 100. Uh, if that's the case, you got to play Mr. Rest of it. That's sort of like the squirrel if you use Vaseline and WD-40, about one in a hundred chance to get up to the bird feeder. <laughs> you know, you know, Patrick, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out because last year we didn't see this Mitch Trubisky. We, we saw Mitchell Trubisky had a little more uh, confidence, it seemed. Uh, I know it's always tough to judge what a guy's confidence is, but he looked like he had more confidence. He ran with the ball. He did some other things. He found actually found a few receivers. Uh, this year, all of his passes are seem to be either behind the line of scrimmage or within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Uh, what happened? How can how can we even explain what happened to him over so from last year to this year? Well, I, I think confidence is certainly a part of it. I, I think running. It's a part of it, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's because of the injuries he's dealing with or because of the team trying to reinforce that he's a passer first and not a runner first. He's just not taking off the football the way he did last year. And, you know, when he did that last year, those were in big situations. Those were third down. Yep. Those were, uh, you know, kind of X-factor plays that, that really did help the Bears. Because their offense can't get going, you're not seeing much of the trick play stuff that Matt Nagy loved so much last year. He essentially told us yesterday that, you kind of have to earn it on offense to be able to get a play like that, and they're not really doing the little things right. And he's got a defense that hasn't gotten takeaways at the ridiculous rate that they did last year. And, and you know, if this year's defense was on last year's team, I think Mitch would have looked a little more ordinary, too. You know, at the end of the day, right. he's got to make throws. At the end of the day, this is on the quarterback, which is not on everybody around him. But the situation last year certainly benefited Mitch a little bit, too. So the uh, first play of the uh, game Sunday when the Bears have the ball, we uh, know already is a uh, one-yard uh, run up the gut by uh, Cohen. It seems to be the favorite first play of the game, either number 32 or... T- Why was 20... 20- with, with a high snap, too, by the way. Bad snap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm watching the first two plays, and it gets lost in the shuffle of all the other craziness, but the first play is the handoff up the gut. Cohen gets a yard. Second play is Cohen, like, running around the left end. And he loses, loses a yard. A yard. And remember all week there was a question, will uh, uh, Montgomery be playing? You know, he's dinged up. And I figured, well, evidently, you know, he's not going to play. But yet Cohen, does he script these like, uh, you know, a month in advance, a day in advance? <laughs> what? I, it, I, I, right then I said, 
we're going to lose this game. There's no way we're going to win this game looking at these first. I just don't understand what happened to Nagy. I asked Nagy the other day whether Cohen, you need to understand, Cohen went into that game averaging seven touches a game against the Rams. He had 14. Uh, and I asked him, I said, is this a conscious effort to get him the ball more, or was this because you didn't know if David Montgomery's ankle would be okay? And he said, you know, it was probably a little bit of both. Hmm. But the Bears do want to get him the ball more. You know, you talk about those runs up the middle with him. The first two weren't very good, but the two longest runs the Bears had all game were Tariq Cohen up the middle. One was on a read option. The other one was on a draw. Mm-hmm. You don't think of that when you, t- when you think of how dangerous they are. How about this? The Bears have the least explosive rushing attack in football if you judge it by 10 yards or more. Hmm. And they have the second worst or the second least explosive passing attack in football if you judge it by 15 yards or more, which is, you know, how you measure explosive plays. You know, the, the, Lee Cohen is the guy on the team who can help that. Yeah. Him and maybe Cordero Patterson. So I think there's going to be a conscious effort to get Tariq the ball a lot the way they did against the Rams. You know, I don't think in a perfect world that's as a true running back. But, you know, they did have some success doing that. You know, Matt Nagy worked and learned under, you know, um, the coach in Philadelphia. He learned and worked under uh, Andy Reid. The one thing he didn't take from either one of them is how to use running backs. Because both of them use multiple running backs and don't seem to have a problem divvying up carries to their running backs. But for some bizarre reason, Matt must have been sick when they when they discussed that with those guys. Because he's been terrible. He did it early in the season using Mike Davis, what, 43 snaps the first two games and then not using him again. Not using David Montgomery. And then trying to work. He, he, has, he seems like he has no clue or desire to use the running game. Well, he's a guy who really hasn't gotten into a rhythm with his run game since the day he got here you know, last year, I think we were all quick to blame that on Jordan Howard, and maybe justifiably a little bit. Jordan Howard wasn't the pass catcher that Matt Nagy needed in a running back. But if you look at those stats last year, my God, the Bears would kill to have last year's running game this season, <laughs> which is just amazing when you think about it. About Matt, even after they would win last year, would say, I know I need to run the ball better. I need to run the ball more. Uh, this year, it's just gone off the reservation. I don't mind them uh, getting away from Mike Davis in favor of David Montgomery. I think David Montgomery is going to be a pretty good player here. But, uh, you know, they need to find a way to move the sticks, both with him and with Cohen. And you really see no rhyme or reason uh, for why they do what they do, and it, it doesn't seem to be working when they do it. Final couple minutes with uh, Patrick Finley, sometimes Bears guy. I always appreciate your personal time. So, uh, Patrick, uh, you know, I'm looking here for some new topic because it's saturday and it's been six days and you file the great stories all week and you come on murph give me something new all right here's something i think is new and you mentioned chase daniel a few minutes ago we have a twitter poll a murph and fred fan focus group twitter poll in action right now we'll get the results in a, a little bit later but why did ryan pace decide that Chase Daniel would be the right guy. It's a multiple choice, fellas. That would be the right guy to back up, uh, be the backup quarterback for the Bears. Because A, he's a quality NFL backup quarterback. B, well, he knows Nagy's offensive playbook. C, he's a good teacher. He's a good mentor. Mentor for Mitch Trubisky. And D, well, he wouldn't be a threat to steal the starting job from, you know, our quote-unquote fragile, maybe, uh, quarterback. All right, all those aside, 
Why did they bring this guy in? Just because he knows the system, he's a good teacher, he's not a threat, uh, or is, can he step in and help win a game? Well, he did that once, I guess, right? Can I say E, all of the above? Okay. <laughs> because, I mean, all right. There's a little bit of truth in every answer there. You know, did they bring him in because, uh, they, I mean, they brought him in because he knew Matt Nagy's offense and he would be able to help teach it to others, which was really important in their first year together. So that's why he's here. He was here because he played under, you know, uh, with the Saints in New Orleans. He knew Ryan Pace. They knew him as a person, as a mentor, and they really liked him. All right. That's why they brought him here. They also thought that, yeah, he's a professional backup. He could step in and win a game if they need to. Hmm. But keep in mind, you know, going into his second season, did anybody think that Mitch Trubisky needed somebody to come challenge him for the starting job? I mean, I don't blame the Bears for trying to buttress Mitch's case versus trying to rival him somehow. You know, it was only, you know, it's been only six, you know, in the last six or eight weeks that we've decided that maybe Trubisky's not starter material. So I don't blame them for bringing him in. The real question is going to be who are they going to bring in instead of Chase Daniel next year? <laughs> it could be a legitimate threat to him. No, the, yeah. re- I mean, no, the, real, the, the real question is who's going to make the decision who to bring in? No, I, <laughs> not yeah, and, I mean, it, it, it could be any one of a, a, yeah. of a ton of veterans okay. who will be out there, but they will all be far more dangerous to start than, uh, than Chase Daniel. Hey, great job, Patrick. Patrick Finley, sometimes. Oh, Get some uh, suet for your uh, bird feeder. That'll attract uh, woodpeckers. Thanks, Patrick. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks, Patrick. I can just picture that squirrel going up and down on the Vaseline-coated uh, uh, pole there in his back. I kind of like the one he said, the one that spins around and throws the squirrel <laughs> away. So I, I kind of like that. I mean, I'd have to go find one of those. Hey, vote now. Uh, uh, Murph and Fred Focus Group Twitter poll. Who will be gone first? A, B, C, or D? Trubisky will be gone first. Nagy, Pace, or McCaskey? And the follow-up is, who should be gone first? Same four guys. Vote now. Hey, God, we got some this crazy Cubs press release we'll do when we come back. And then Bears beat Sox talk. It's ESPN 1000. And Sox fans, vote now at ESPN 1000. Can the... Uh, Yasmanian Devil, that's his nickname. Did you know that? Yeah, I it's, saw that. I was waiting to see how long it would take for you to mention it. I saw it in the book. I yeah. well, I'll never say it again. Okay, good. <laughs> yes. Yes, Monty Grandall. Sox fans, uh, can he do for the White Sox what John Lester did for the Cubs? Yes or no? Well, um, right off the bat, he can't. At, yeah, he can't throw? He can't, he can't pitch He's left-handed. not a left-handed pitcher. <laughs> no, and he better not be a left-handed catcher. No, there have not been many. <laughs> no. For good reason. Yeah, Mike Squires got back there a couple oh, times with the yeah. White Sox back in the yeah, day, but other than that. an emergency. Yes. yes. So, he also played uh, third base, I think, too. Before we get to uh, this uh, wacky Cubs press release and uh, what uh, isn't wacky that comes out of Clark and Addison, I want to go back here. Uh, so the uh, NBC uh, broadcast, telecast, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, right? Uh-huh. They, they do a pretty nice job, I've decided, over the uh, years. Now, one of the, the big topic, of course, was is why is Mitch not coming back in? You know, Is he hurt? We don't know. Is he just performance? It's, it's been rehashed all week. Right. And... You know, I've learned this, and uh, it's it's no surprise. Most people, you're watching the game on TV, and uh, a lot of uh, you're you're biased by what you hear. You know, and and, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. The experts say this, and there was one part here. We we pulled that. We got about a three second bite. 
Now, this is when it was there was confusion. You know, uh-huh. and they're doing a national game. It's Sunday night. They got their field reporter down there. She doesn't have it. You know, no one knows that they PR. Right. Now, here was the interesting way. Now, Al Michaels, this guy is a pro's pro, right? Yep. I mean, Hall of Fame broadcast. And uh, here's a little, now here's how he phrased that. Well, I don't even know what he's saying here. It's just four or five words. Listen. Word from the Bears PR. People, no word. All right. I'm going to play that again. Word from the Bears PR is no word. Word from the Bears PR, people, no word. Now, is he saying we have? It's in, is he saying we have no word from the Bears PR staff? I think that's what he's well, saying. But he doesn't. He says, "Well, here." Yeah, he said, "Word from the Bears PR, people, no word." Which would imply, if you really break it down one by one, there he's saying the Bears PR has told us that. They don't know. There's no word. There's no word. Well, as to why he's really trying to convey, we don't have any idea because we have no word from the Bears PR. But he didn't say that. Word from the Bears PR people, no word. Yeah. So it's pretty slick the way he did that. He didn't want to get anybody quote unquote in trouble. Right. So on you know on the fly ad living doing that that's pretty good. Yeah, it is. You it know. is. I, I'm you know Collinsworth then went and said, well he's not in the tent. Well you know as it turns out you had the injury at halftime. You don't have to go into the tent because yeah. you were in the locker room. I know. And you know they were in the dark. They didn't know the whole thing. And I mentioned earlier in the show that I would let you know at nine thirty, and I didn't do it with oh, Patrick Finley. Yeah, yeah. But what happened was Trubisky hurts his hip, tries to play through it. All of a sudden, he gets pulled because Nagy says, sees that he cannot do certain things. He's using all arm into his throws. Mitch tried to play through it. How many of these so-called experts all over the place were saying, it's a hip pointer, you should be able to play through it. Mitch was playing through it, but he wasn't playing well, and he couldn't do things. So Nagy pulled him out. So it's not out of the question for him to be ready this week because he tried to play through the hip pointer, was unable to do it, and got pulled out. Now, after a week, he feels better and he can play. It seems very simple to me. I don't know. So the, uh, you're saying the run pass option uh, to the left uh, that got well, blown that was up stupid. wasn't maybe a good call? Well, that wasn't a good call, no. first of all, because he knew he had a bad hit. But right. second of all, Mitch ran it wrong. He was supposed to run a little bit more well, you to know, the guy. Right, because he didn't want to get hit. Right, he didn't want to get hit. Right. But he, you could see on some of the throws, he couldn't turn. You said yeah. Everyone was making fun of Dak Prescott for uh-huh. the way he goes out there and does turns with yeah. his hip. Right. Mitch couldn't do yeah. that. Mitch couldn't do any of that with a hip pointer. No. People, it's, it's like, if you want to pile on Mitch again, Low-hanging fruit. It's real easy to do. But think about it a little bit before you do it. So one more, Al Michaels. Uh, one of our great sponsors here, a great uh, uh, organization, Toyota, right? Mm-hmm. Now, they've had this, their phrase, their, their pet little, what, I don't know what you call their slogan, for about three, four years now. Uh, it's got three words. Uh, if the Toyota marketing guy's listening, and uh, I'll put you on the spot, can you can you think of what? I can't it, think of it oh, right okay. now. All right, the first and word. And I drive a Toyota, and you drive yeah, a Toyota. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. yeah. Oakland Toyota, Ronnie Coliseum, great, great people. Now here's the thing: the first word is like let us, L E T apostrophe S. Uh-huh. Okay, the next word, three words, is go, a G O, and the last word is places. P-L-A-C-E-S. Okay. Uh, the first, that's, and then they say go, and then they say places. So uh, for the first few years, everybody would, uh, you didn't know what to accent. Let's go places. Let's go places. Let's go places. 
right? So everyone now in Toyota, I think, is a, they figure it's let's go places. Right. Like, let's get in the car. Let's and get go. in and go places. Yeah. So I'm surprised, and there's a lot of money involved here, that Toyota, you buy a spot, you know, on the uh, Sunday night game, right? And Al Michaels, let's go places. He goes, let's go places. So, you know, you're home. You're the, the Toyota national marketing guy. Uh-huh. You just, you know, you got that $10 million buy on Sunday night. You go, no, Al, you did it again. No, 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 no. Let's go places. Someone's got to tell them. Yeah, in fact, we got to go now to take a break. Yeah. Hey, we'll get back on the Bears beat, Sox talk, all that and much, much more. We got all these great Twitter polls. I got some sound bites. So it's going to be a busy second hour. Murph and Fred, Saturdays, always at 9 o'clock. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Welcome back, hour number two, Murph and Fred. Glad you're with us. Get back on the Bears beat. I have a Cubs press release. Fred's got Sox talk coming up in a little while. Big week for the Sox. We'll cover that momentarily. Chuck, ah, they've only just begun. Chuck Garf. That's what Han, that's what Rick Hahn said. Uh huh. You saw that, huh? Rick Hahn said exactly that. You've only just begun. He said, uh, and he also said, now it's on to the next one. There you go. Oh, we'll cover that in a little while. Uh, but first, oh, I have to get to this. Uh, so, <laughs> so the Cubs sent out a, you know, Tom Ricketts. I, I can't feel sorry for a billionaire, you know. But uh, in, in some ways, I don't know, Fred. I can't say, I'm not going to say, if you, but I, sometimes I think the guy is doesn't know what's going on around him, you know. Uh-huh. I, I, you wonder how much money that Theo is spending. And, you know, we're not going to rehash all the bad free agents and all this and that. And uh, Oh, I'll never forget one of the first things Theo said when he took over, maybe at his first press conference. Right. He said, they're talking about free agents, and this goes for all sports and every team. He says, you know what? Never pay. He says, uh, pay for future production, not, not past production. Yeah, that's impossible to do in sports. Well, well, it is, it as, is. as he found out. Right, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's a great way to oh. to approach it, well, but yeah. you're going to be you're going to be playerless. You're not going to have any of the stars. Well, right. Yeah. But, you know, it sounded uh, good when he was doing his uh, Ivy League pontifications. Well, it's uh, like this year. I mean, uh, do you think anyone's going to pay Garrett Cole eight years for his future? No. You're I mean, paying you're, you're for paying the, him for what he's done. Or the pasture, as we yeah. used to say. You're paying him for what he's done because <laughs> in eight years, who knows yeah. what you're going to have. So, here, Cubs add to minor league staff. And this is one of those little press releases. Was uh, you know? You, well, is that a little press release? I mean, because it's long. There's like well, eight guys. Eight let me people. rephrase it. I'm sorry. Insignificant. Seven, seven guys and, and one a woman. Right. Yeah. Okay. Insignificant. Uh huh. You know, minor league hirings. Oh, Murph, come on. Is that all you guys got? No. Here. So here's a team that's done nothing in eight years: developing, drafting, signing. Uh, they no one's come up to the big leagues. They set a like record for the fewest pitchers innings thrown in the big leagues from drafting and yada yada. So what he's going to do is just add more people. Uh-huh. So Theo says, "I'm going to sign or what did you say? Eight, eight, eight. Yeah, yeah. Now some of these you could argue were maybe replacing people that left, but I don't think so. They all look like new positions 
Well, or, some, of them, some of them are probably new positions, oh, yeah. yeah. Or they're replacing someone that got moved up to what's now a new position. So I'm going to go out on the limb and say all eight of these are new hires, new money out of the bank is what I'm saying, right? This is not moving money around from last year's coaching budget. In the, so You really don't get paid much, though, to be a minor league well, coach. You do and you don't. Uh, you know, it depends what a lot is. You know. Well, I can't imagine it's more than fifty or sixty thousand. I would say it's seventy-five. Do you? And, and some of these higher-level guys are probably in the, the hundred twenty-five. Median in twenty eighteen, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the yes. median annual salary for coaches at the minor league level is thirty-two thousand dollars. Thirty-two for that's 32. the median. So yep. yeah, so you got some people making sixteen, other people right. making. 60. You know. So, thank you, EO11. So here, here's, I don't even think, I'm not even give the names. The names of these eight uh, people are irrelevant. Well, one of them's relevant because it's a woman. Okay. So, number one, a new, a, a coordinator of pitching development for the minor leagues. That's definitely a new position. Uh-huh. All right. I can well, live with that. And he was an instructor at Driveline, which everybody is going to. Okay. Everybody's going to this Driveline yeah. to Washington to All learn right. how to pitch. All right, cool. Coordinator of pitching development. Here's pitching coach for Rookie League Mesa. He's, right. And he's 26. That's okay. If he's going to coach, he's 26. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's probably a bum arm from Boston. Something's got to be wrong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next, Travis Fita, F-I-T-T-A, right? Yeah. He's the fourth coach. I'm not making this up. This is He's known as the fourth coach hitting Coach and baseball development coach for Class A Eugene. And Eugene is a short season. Yeah. That, that's when the guys are drafted. That's what's, the first place they go to is Eugene, yeah. Oregon. What's a fourth coach? I, I, was it, it, well, I don't know. Well, they have a manager, a pitching coach, a hitting coach, and now they have a... Fourth coach, apparently. Right. Okay, so you got a, a coordinator of pitching development in the minor leagues, a pitching coach for uh, rookie ball, Mesa. That's fine. Here you go. So the fourth coach at Eugene was also in, uh, hitting and uh, baseball development. Baseball development. Okay, good. Uh, here's uh, Rachel. Rachel of, of Falden, F-O-L-D-E-N. She's <laughs> the lead hitting lab tech and fourth coach. In Mesa. For Rookie League Mesa. That's fine. Yeah. What is the lead hitting lab Technician. I, don't know. I know what it is. I'm reading this here. She created Fold and Fast Pitch in 2010, providing baseball and softball instruction based on biomechanics, science, technology, and data. They've lost their minds. She played five seasons in the, um, the Pro Fast Pitch League, including time with the Bandits, assistant softball All coach right. at Valpo. Now she's now she's got a now she'll be living in a nice part of a Scottsdale working in Mesa. Good for her. Here, here's the next guy, Stephen. Not at thirty two thousand, she won't be living in a nice part of Scottsdale. You know, there's some bad parts of Phoenix. Yeah, oh, I know there's real bad. I know there's some really nice ones too. I'll tell you North what, North Scottsdale, that's where Conurco lives. I'll tell you, Mesa's got some real bad spots too. Yeah. All right, now here, here's one of my favorite. Some guys now the Dominican hitting analytics. Coordinator. Yeah, but you haven't read. You know why they brought him in? Because he most recently served as a hitting apprentice in the Houston Astros farm system. Oh, he can spy on numbers. Integrating uh, technology. Yeah, there you go. Into hitting programs. He figured he'd better find a new job. Better leave Houston quick. Maybe they'd forget about him at the commissioner's office. There we go. Let me tell you something. He's a graduate of Buffalo Grove High School. Good for him. Maybe he played ball with the... Uh, I was going to say maybe he played ball with J.D., but he's only 27. You watch the commissioner of baseball. Uh-huh. 
with this Houston Astros thing. Yeah, the only thing this did was take him away from the, getting the automatic strike zones. <laughs> now, he's, Which, now his time's taken right. away with this thing. They should have had that three years ago. Yeah, exactly. Here's the thing. Cora, Alex Cora, manager of the uh, world champion Boston Red Sox uh, in 2018, right. right? 2017, the scandal a year of Houston, he was bench coach. Yes. All right. Maybe he was the guy p- pounding the bat. Yeah. Did you hear the new thing they got now? The Buzz Band-Aid? Did you read about this? Yeah. The yeah, Buzz Band-Aid? earpiece things and, yeah. Yeah. You, they put a Band-Aid on the hitter, like, and it's got, a, it buzzes, or they tingles. Yeah. So, like, if it's a fastball coming, but that's, that's okay, right? Hey, you get a World Series out of it. <laughs> Think of all the endorsements the 2017 uh, Astros are going to get. Right. For their many, many years of... Uh... A new hitting coach for Class A South, Ben Fine. Here's a guy who's going to be at Double uh, A Tennessee for the Cubs. He's going to be the fourth coach, hitting and baseball development. Here's a guy for uh, Class A Myrtle Beach. And he's going to be the fourth coach, hitting and baseball development. They just sign and hiring guys everywhere see if it works. Let's go to the Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll. Let's bring in Eric Ostrowski, EO11. EO11. All right. Got to hear what the fans have said on these, Fred. Who will be gone first? Trubisky, Nagy, Pace, or McCaskey? Did you vote on this yet, Fred? No, uh, but I, I know who I would vote for. I'd vote for Mitch. Will be gone first. Yeah. Right. This is not who do you hope, who do you want. No, who will be. Who will be gone first? Trubisky, Nagy, Pace, or McCaskey? Well, the last three, the latter three, are going to circle the wagons and try to protect themselves. So Trubisky would be my vote, too. But what do the Bear fans say, Eric? All right. At the bottom, with just 3%, is McCaskey. He ain't going nowhere. No. Tied at 16% is Nagy and Pace. And then Trubisky was 65% saying he will be gone first. All right. That's great. Now, here's here's the payoff. Correct. Uh Twitter poll number two. Same four names. Who should be gone first, Bears fans? (laughs) Trubisky, Nagy, Pace, McCaskey. (sighs) Buckle up. I have no idea. I know what I would, I'd be voting right now. It's hard to vote on this, Fred. I'm between uh, Pace and, uh, and Nagy, to be honest with you. I'm between Pace and Nagy. Pace, Pace has, has screwed this. He's screwed this thing up so bad. You were going over this. Uh, everybody he has brought in, everybody he has moved up to get yeah. has failed. And you start with his first draft pick, but everybody he's moved up to draft Here. has been miserable. Here's the uh, his acquisitions in the offseason, the free agents he signed. They bring, he brought in Mike Davis. And the draft picks he had, all yeah, right? He brought in Mike Davis, who who, free w- agent. who who performed well when they used him. Uh, but they didn't need him, it appears. Well, well, because Matt Nagy doesn't know how to run a running game. Well, Buster Screen they brought in, who's been okay. He's like the uh, nickel guy. He's been Co- doing okay. Cordero Patterson, who maybe two or three times a year will get the ball past the 30. And the kick return kick guy, returns. now they got him lining up in the backfield right. because they're short of running back. It's, it's a uh, mess. Clinton Dix, who had failed in a couple places, you don't hear his name much, and usually when you don't hear his That's name, good. Eh, not so much for a, for a, a guy in his a, a position. A cover defensive back yeah. isn't a yeah, good I, I, I kind of like to hear his name breaking up plays or making forcing fumbles or things like that. Not, right. Marvin Hall, a guy they cut. 
That was another return guy. They Kick already returner, had wide receiver. Yeah. And uh, Ted Larson. I didn't know Larson. Uh, Larson's still here, isn't he? Or is he oh, gone? He got hurt. He got hurt. Okay. He's out for the year, I think. Yeah. yeah. Their draft picks, you got Montgomery. All right, that's good. Yeah, in the third round. Third Riley, round. Riley Ridley, who would be nice if we ever saw him. Now, that was the second pick for the Bears, fourth round. Right, fourth round, 126 pick overall. Now, 126 pick overall should still be someone... That's going to help somehow, somewhere, right? Yeah, I guess he's he's he's, he's uh, undefeated on the practice squad. I think I, I think he suited up once, didn't he? Or? Yeah, I think so. Duke Shelley, who every time he's on the field is on special teams, he gets a flag. How about uh, no? He got three flags, I think, in two games. Yeah. Number thirty-five that looks so right. good in the preseason. The fullback. H back. Well, he looked good in the in the backfield, not returning, not on the kick return teams. Yeah, really. And Harry's getting calls for hitting, hitting yeah. in the back. Yeah. Kareth White, who's now playing for somebody else, who's running a running back. back. Yeah. And then uh, Stephen Denmark, and I think he got cut too. I'm not sure if he got cut or if he's on the practice squad now or whatever. So the but those aren't even those aren't even the bad ones for me. These are the off season moves, really. Other than the first pick in the third round, they had their first pick that was yeah. in the third round, David Montgomery. Other than that, it's a big nothing. Yeah, I mean, Leonard Floyd, unfortunately, has turned out to be uh, not what you thought he was going to be. Kevin White was his first pick, and he was miserable. He has made very, very few good draft picks, and that's 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 the sign of what, you know, the general manager. That's how you grade him. What he does is free agent signings and draft picks. So... I'm voting for Pace. I think that's what the Bears fans will say. Who should go first? I'd say Pace too. Quarterback, head coach, GM, or the the owner. I hope the I hope they didn't. I hope the fans didn't all vote for McCaskey to go. I mean, he's not cheap, and he tries. It just doesn't work. Well, McCaskey sucks, Murph. I I, I understand he owns where the you're team. coming from. It doesn't matter. He's not going to sell the team. But this is McCaskey's going to keep the team. Well, that was on the who will be gone first. Yeah. He, this is who should go first. So yeah, all everything, everybody's eligible. All right, bottom up, please, Eric. All right, twelve percent saying that McCaskey should be gone first. So that was the bottom. Correct. All right, I'm happy. Seventeen percent says Nagy should be gone. Here we go. Ryan Pace with thirty-two percent, and then Trubisky with thirty-nine percent. To lead, who should See, be gone first? I thought Pace would. Now it wasn't that far. It was thirty nine uh, Trubisky? What thirty two Pace? So yeah, correct. All right, so that was pretty close. All right, now this is the one we ran by uh, Patrick Finley earlier, and he said, "Don't you have E all of the above?" Why did Ryan Pace decide that Chase Daniel would be the right backup quarterback for the Bears? Four choices: A. Because he's a quality NFL backup quarterback. B, he knows Nagy's offensive playbook. That's why. C, he's a great teacher, a mentor for Mitch. And D, he's not a threat to take the starting job away from my number one quarterback. E would probably be best, right, Fred, yeah, all of the all above, the above, but we yeah. don't have a, I'd go with the a second fifth one. slot. I'd go to the second one. He knew the system. Yeah. He was able to That's teach That's exactly what the yeah. answer should be. What do we have, Eric? 5% saying that he is a solid QB. Uh, well, <laughs> see, now, that's the problem. Go continue. 11% saying that he's a good teacher. Right. 32% saying they hired Chase Daniels because he's not a threat to Jabrisky. And there then 52% yeah, right. say and agree with Fred that it's because he knows Nagy's playbook. Exactly. Yeah. So the problem is he's not a backup quarterback. What no. was the vote? What was what came in last there? Or two, how much percent? Five percent saying he's a solid QB. See? 
You, how can you base the whole thing? So he's thing making on, $6 million a year. Well, I so know. You know he, he, he may not be a great QB, but he's an intelligent one. He's a happy Find camper. Find me a backup, not Teddy Bridgewater, who is a solid quarterback, though. Uh, you're right. I yeah. Mean, which like, is, you have to have perspective with that. There's not 32, much less no. 64. Yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty amazing that you can't find yeah. in this entire country. I know. In the world. Yeah. You can't find 32 guys. You can't find 64 guys I that know. can play the position at the top level. Isn't it amazing? It's, it's bizarre. Is that going to change, though, with uh, the NFL adapting more and more to the college style quarterback? Whereas, you know, for years... It was one or the other, you know. Right. It was, well, now they're, tra- but they're trying to adapt, adapt it, and in, and the question always comes up is work. how how long is Lamar Jackson going to be okay before he gets run over, mm-hmm. before th- he gets hurt? Yeah. Now, he's bigger than some of these other guys, but Michael Vick, uh, RG3, you had all kinds of guys that could play the different style of game, but um, it, they didn't last long, did they? So that's the question. You want to build your whole team around a guy like Lamar Jackson, and then all of a sudden he goes out, and then what do you do? Then you're stuck. So, All right. Uh, final Bears Twitter poll for this segment. I haven't teased this one yet. We haven't had time. I can't wait to hear the results of number three, Eric, Fred. Here's, here's how we set it up. How much better, multiple choice, how much better would Mitch Trubisky be if he had a good offensive line, a better running game, receivers who aren't ranked second worst in the league in dropping passes, uh, a better play caller, and he wasn't wearing a uh, left shoulder harness. Wow. What was that again? How much better would Mitch be with a good offensive line, a better running game, receivers who don't drop the ball, a better play caller, and uh, he wasn't wearing a left shoulder harness? A, he'd be a lot better. B, he'd be a little bit better. <laughs> C, he'd be no better at all. Well, I know the, the fans don't like him, so they're going to say C. But I would say I would say A, he'd be a lot better. Well, you would. How could he not be? Right. All right, Eric. Un- Again, low hanging fruit. I mean, that's what it is. Uh, Mitch Trubisky. It's real easy to just to pile on Mitch right now. All right, at the bottom with nineteen percent saying that there will be no difference. Good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. He'd be he'd be no better if everything was. Better. Okay. All right. Now, go up the ladder here. What came in one and two? So 37% say Mitch would be a lot better if he had all good old line, a good run game, wasn't injured, no drops, etc. <laughs> and 43% saying he'd be a little bit better if he had all those things going his way. Oh, I guess that's about where it should be, Fred. Uh, you know, I mean, the guy's got a lot of handicaps here. Yeah. And it's easy, like what you call it, the low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. You want to beat up on someone, beat up on your quarterback, yeah. beat up on a head coach. Those That's, are always the two easiest people. You know, you know, your, your head coach should get, you know, the play calling from Matt Nagy, a guy that, you know, even Patrick Finley said it, that he's not able to run those trick plays. No, he's not, because they're not in the position that they were last year. Last year, he was a little too cute. I mentioned it last year, and everybody said, oh, no, no, it's great, it's wonderful. How is, how is that cuteness now? How is not running with the eye formation when you realize that every time you run out of it, you gain ground? Right. How is that intelligent? <laughs> Let's stay on the naggy topic for a second. My Lord. Now, three three two three seven seven six. John Mullen. Over at uh, NBC Sports yep. Chicago, Bears guy, John's the John's terrific. He's out riding his bike right now. A couple of weeks ago, comes out with us once a year, every year. John Mullen, terrific and a good man. He uh, he did it again at the one of the press conferences this week. 
Same thing as a week ago when we had him on. When he said, uh, remember he asked Nagy, do you think you should uh, consider, or I don't know how he phrased it, will you ever consider, you know, uh, uh, diverging uh, the head coaching uh, part of your job from the uh, call and the plays? You know, to nicely say, yeah, that's a tough question much, to ask. Is it too much for you? Now, that's a tough question to ask. You got to have some stones to ask that question. Know, Sorry. I really get to hurt my elbow, but uh, Fred, when Nagy came on board two years ago, I said, I don't know. I didn't like the feeling of a rookie. Head coach, also then pretty much a rookie play caller. Right. And right or wrong, who knows? You know, whatever. But did you hear John Mullen this week? He did it again. Yeah. Okay. This is classic. And the true pro that John Mullen is, he phrased it very delicately. Uh, you know, instead of uh, what I would probably say, hey, can you do them both? It doesn't look like you can do them both, coach. Doesn't look like you can do either. Talk about all the complexities of, of Mitch's injury. The kicking situation, yeah, whatever. Maybe this is kind of a question about the play calling. Yeah, the, the amount of compl- complex things on you as a head coach. Any more thoughts about perhaps realigning the play calling? Realigning. Yeah. So what what I would say is this: um, for for me, I, I've told everybody this. I, I always, matter of fact, I spent a lot of my morning this morning going through schematically the, the scheme part um, because if if there's things in the scheme that the other team is getting you or it's not there, I'll be the first to tell you, uh, let's, then we need to be better. Or if there's a rhythm to something, I'll, I have zero ego and I have zero care uh, of giving play call duties to somebody else. I really, I really do not care about that. And, and if that's what that we, we feel like from going through it, that that's what we need to do, then I would do that. I really would. Um, but we're just, when you go through the tape and you look at things, and you know schematically where we're at and what we're what we're calling and when we're calling it. Um, there's there's a, there's without a doubt a few plays in that game that that I would go back to and say you know what uh, that's our fault we we didn't we didn't scheme it right and 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 that starts with me and so if if I need to be able to accept that and then know how do I fix that uh, so but we'll do everything we can to to you know we're turning over every stone to get this thing right. They are I, apparently. Hmm. We'll see. Well, if they, it's weird too because they're playing the Giants now. They, it's a no-win situation for the Bears because if they lose to the Giants, the criticism will just be piled on. And if they win, everyone said was going to say, "Well, you should beat them. They're an awful team." So there's really a no. It's a no-win situation for the Bears right there this weekend. And then you've got some of the toughest games of the year when you're playing. You know, not not the Lions, but you've got the Cowboys and the you got the Chiefs and you got the Vikings still this year. He only said schematically twice. Yeah. Bad schemes. Is that what he, you know, I look at the schemes. Yeah. Fred, they they don't have a way, they can't score. They don't know how to throw the ball. Downfield. Right. Period. More than 5, 10 yards. Now, I'd love to know how many of those play calls that are called for uh, Mitchell Trubisky are calls where he's supposed to go downfield. And he doesn't. And he, ta- he, go- he doesn't. He goes short instead. Checks down. Right. I'd like to know exactly how many. And we'll never know that. Now, he's had a few uh, striker plays, as they used to call him, into the end zone. He had the tight end two weeks ago. That was a nice play. And he had Cohen down on the, uh, you know, danced in at the 5 to end of the He also had Gabriel. <laughs> You found Gabriel getting open on a man-to-man. It seems like he's a little bit better better quarterback going against man-to-man defense than he is zone defense. He's having a hard time, apparently, reading zones. You know, Trubisky, his accuracy, 
This is sort of like from an hour ago, Patrick Finley talking about watching the squirrel trying to climb yeah. up the bird feeder, and it's sometimes very entertaining. Sometimes he succeeds, but often he falls back down. We have a quick, uh, we have cut one uh, change up here, uh, Eric. We cut one. There was early in the game, Fred, and so much happened. Uh, in, in that game that you know, it was impossible all week to cover everything. And maybe this was covered a little. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, I didn't hear it much. This was the, uh, there was a, a pass. There, there was a, uh, a short touchdown pass that, uh, to Anthony Miller. You might remember this was a Bears ball, six minutes uh, to go in the first quarter. And it's uh, 0-0. Just after the takeaway by uh, Roquan. Yep. And Bears had the ball first and 10. They're back at, uh, at their own 17. It was a short touchdown pass. And Trubisky to Anthony Miller. It was tipped at the last second right. by a corner who said, uh, you know, he made a great play. It would have been a walk in for a uh, touchdown. And Trubisky deep downfield and has it batted away at the last moment. And that is Marquis Christian seeing more and more action of late with a great move. Otherwise, that might have gone to the bank. Might have gone. looked like it was over, didn't it? When we were watching it from up here, one fingertip away from a walk-in touchdown on that one. What a tremendous play by Christian. Now. Would have been an 83-yard touchdown. (laughs) Yeah, NBC sparked. NBC, thank you. But here's what they omitted, in my opinion. He he didn't put enough air under it. Uh See, I'll never... And uh, the week week before that, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Dave Ragone, the quarterback coach, he said something about two weeks ago that I didn't hear much follow-up on. Now, you have to be a golfer to understand this. He said, we we work with Mitch sometimes on, you know, what club to use. Which I thought was an interesting way to, to phrase it. Uh-huh. You know, the nine iron pops up in the air and the two irons right. a line drive. And right there, he threw like a four iron. If he'd have thrown a six or seven iron, right. Miller would have outright given him an 83-yard touchdown. Yeah, but he again, he did that two weeks ago. Uh, I know. And he overthrew the guy. Well, he, so now right. he's right in between. He's, he, uh, he, he's not hitting the guys. He's like Eddie Pinero. Yeah. He's left and right. Everybody, I mean, the, the problem is he's missing on the big plays when he has the opportunity. Yeah. Now, other quarterbacks, you watch enough other quarterbacks, another, another, enough NFL, uh, other quarterbacks will do that and overthrow a guy or underthrow a guy yeah. or throw interceptions. Yeah. But the, the thing with them and Mitch is, they have more opportunities because they have the ball more often. They get more first downs. They're able to continue drives, and they have more opportunities to throw the ball deep. I mean, heck, Patrick Mahomes overthrows guys. Everybody overthrows guys, but they get more opportunities to throw the ball deep to more people. So, so that was a perfectly designed, schemed play that could have easily popped for 83 yep. yards, and then yep. everyone would be saying, Maggie's back, baby, Trubisky's back. It's unbelievable. Hey, we're going to take a break, catch up on a few things. Vote now at our uh, Twitter poll. Anyway, we are in the uh, First Midwest Bank studio. Murph and Fred voted ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy. Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Cap was all over it this week, Fred. Jeff Passan, he says, well, you know what? May come May, come June. What will the Sox uh, lineup batting order look like? Jeff Passan just tweeted this. Here's what the White Sox lineup could look like mm. by May. Oh, I'd like to hear this. Hold on. Nick Madrigal leads off at second. Yes. 
Tim Anderson bats second yes. at short. Jose Abreu is in the three hole at first. I don't know if I like that that much. Yoan Moncada cleans up at third. Right. Yasmani Grandal in the six hole is catching. Aloy Jimenez is in left. <laughs> Luis Roberts in center. James McCann DHs. And Lurie Garcia is in right. Woo! He goes pretty good. And let's not forget. Andrew Vaughn is coming fast. Yes, I like it. Get excited, White Sox fans. Ah, good stuff. Miss Little, Miss a lot. Let's go to NBC Sports Chicago. What's Chuck up to now? Is that <laughs> what it is, Fred? Or where's Chuck hanging out these days? Who's... Yeah, that's only during the season. Wait, now man, we oh, know where he's at. He's uh, at the White Sox Talk podcast. No, no, it's uh, whose popcorn is Chuck trying to eat for free now? No, oh, I love it. Let's bring in Chuck Garfine, Murph and Fred. Hey, Chuck. I think you're talking about what did Chuck find? There you yes, go. Is that what yes. you're referring to? There yes, it is. my favorite segment. Well, what Chuck found this week, a switch hitting catcher, one of the best catchers in baseball, saying goodbye to the Milwaukee Brewers and saying hello yes. to the south side of Chicago. How about that? Yeah, it's, nice. it's, it's a nice pickup. And, and I know I was listening to some of your podcasts. You guys have done a lot of them this week and the last couple of weeks uh, with, first of all, J.D. Martinez deciding to stay with Boston and other things like that. Um, I listened to one with Hawk and Matt Vaskersian talking about the Hall of Fame thing. But you, you look at what the White Sox did by bringing in a guy like Grandal. And, you know, yeah, he can, he's switch hitter. Yeah, he can hit the ball. He had, what, 28 home runs. And, but you know what he does, Chuck? He gets, he does something none of the White Sox did. He walks. It's amazing. Oh, we got man. a guy that can walk. 109 walks last season. Yolmer Sanchez last year for the White Sox led the Sox with 44 <laughs> walks. Oh. That was it. I guess that's not uh, good in the analytics of uh, today's baseball, is it? <laughs> No, it's not. So they're definitely going to improve their on-base percentage. Getting him, and he is a great pitch framer. And I know people are saying, well, pitch framing might be going away with robotic humps in a few years. Well, you know what? If you get Yasmani Grandal helping this team on a pitch framing uh, standpoint for the next couple of seasons before robotic umps, I'll take that. And I'm also wondering how this signing could potentially affect future signings this offseason and even going forward because if you are a pitcher i.e. Zach Wheeler and you're trying to decide where you're going to potentially sign and you know that your catcher could be Yasmani Grandal I think that helps the White Sox in not only this offseason but future offseasons to try to lure free agent pitchers here because that is a guy that's going to make you look a lot better. Hey, so I'm hoping that's going to make a difference. Exactly, Chuck. Here's a uh, Twitter poll we have working now. We haven't pulled up the results. Eric Ostrowski, this was aimed at Sox fans only. Vote yes or no. Uh, can uh, Grandall do for the White Sox what John Lester did for the Cubs? And Fred, what would you say? I immediately said no. He's not a left-handed pitcher, so he no. can't do the same thing. And he can't turf a throw to uh, first base, hopefully, too often like Lester. But overall, uh, you know, baseball says that the Lester signing has shown all the other players in the game the confidence he's going to do it. Maybe there's something happening there. Let's see what the Sox fans said. Eric, did they say this could, uh, you know, do for the Sox? what Lester did for the Cubs? 75% of the voters. 
voters said no. Grandal will not do what John Lesser did for the Cubs. Ah, I see some of those Cub fans. I got said in to vote. Sox fans only, Chuck. Yeah, yeah that yeah, doesn't work. See, when you when you put out a poll like that and you say Sox fans only, <laughs> you know who is going to be uh, piling on to that poll. It'll be Cubs fans. But I actually brought this up soon after the signing was made that it is very similar in many ways, to the Lester signing. I'm not saying that he's going to put the whole team on his back. He's going to lead them to the World Series. What I'm, my point is, and where, I think where you're going at with this, is that this is the first guy coming out of a rebuild, like the Cubs had, to say, you know what? I believe in this. I so much believe in it. I'm going to be the first big free agent to sign on the dotted line and say, I'm here, let's go, follow me, other guys around baseball. And that is essentially what Yasmani Grandal did, because if you look at the previous free agents that they signed before this, this was, uh, let's see, Wellington Castillo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they didn't, you don't, you're not talking about big free agents. They went after Manny Machado. Obviously, that didn't work. When the Cubs signed John Lester, that was, that was the, the Cubs as well as John Lester planting a flag and saying, here we go, let's go. And that is what I see Yasmani Grandal doing symbolically for this rebuild. And who knows who knows who is going to follow. Well, and that's the big, that's one of the biggest questions because among the things that Rick Hahn said was they need two pitchers. Basically, he said two starting pitchers. They need a right fielder, and uh, they're kind of looking for a DH, right? So who's and, – and Grandal really doesn't fit any of them except he can DH on days he doesn't catch. But what, in your opinion, is going to be next? Uh, it's tough to say what is going to be next. It sounds like, because there's so many uh, things in the air, and you don't know exactly how it's all going to play out. Right. It does seem like starting pitcher is definitely uh, a hyper-focused position for this front office right now. And when that's going to actually happen i don't know and if the Sox don't get their plan a then it goes to plan b plan c and you don't know but I, they are either they seem to be very focused on improving this rotation right field is a glaring glaring spot uh in this lineup and in this clubhouse so i think that's another area which will either be a free agent and we know the free agents who are out there and then there's the big wild card of trades. And I think we're going to see some trades this offseason. And when I say some, I'm not saying like four or five, but I think there's going to be some surprises because you never know how these, you know, when you talk about a trade, what's the trade going to be? That could also bring in a right fielder. We just we got to see how this whole thing plays out. But the fact that the Sox in November signed Yasmani Grandal, that really gives them a big lead on so many other teams because they got this big free agent and now they can focus their attention on other in other areas and then you see other free agents i mean look at the publicity the white Sox have gotten not that players and agents don't know about the white Sox, but if you went on mlb network the last two days 90 percent of their programming was yeah. it the white Sox. yep I mean, they're just talking the white Sox. white Sox is the only teams that are doing anything got jose abreu as well so uh, i think it's uh we'll see how it all plays out but starting pitcher right field uh, that those and some bullpen help. I think that's what we're going to see the most uh, of their 
focus for the rest of the offseason. Last year, probably the biggest pickup, or one of the biggest pickups for the White Sox, not only a big pickup, but a guy that worked and surprisingly uh, worked, was James McCann, all-star catcher. Now you have an all-star catcher. Now you go on out and get another guy like Grandal. What do you think the future is going to be for McCann? Do you think he'll be there, or do you think maybe he is a guy that could be used in the trade? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great point, and it's definitely... Uh, it, within the realm of possibility, both things happen. That he stays or he gets traded. He has one year left on his deal, and then, you know, he's a free agent. So the Sox could keep him for a year and just maximize their catching situation. And keep this in mind, Grandal plays first base as well. Right. And he played 20 games at first base last year. Say that's up to 30 games 35 games with the White Sox that puts a Bray over the DH and that allows your backup catcher to play more games behind the plate. There's also Zach Collins. So it's an interesting dynamic and I think what it gives the White Sox is it gives them a trading chip if they choose to use it this offseason with James McCann or Zach Collins for that matter because you could have all the all the plans in the world to get to say, okay, we're going to get this right fielder, we're going to get this bullpen guy, we're going to get that guy, and then it comes to February, and one of those holes has not been filled, and you got James McCann who might help out a team who is in dire need of a catcher at that point. So uh, this is something that will uh, evolve as the off season continues. But it's uh, uh, as, I, as I said, an interesting dynamic. I think they're in a no lose situation having James McCann. Zach Collins, and Yasmani Grandal, a part of their roster right now. Hey, great stuff, Chuck. Uh, check out our buddy Chuck Garfine, NBC Sports Chicago. And even right now at home, you know, Chuck's got a nicely pressed shirt, <laughs> a nice crease in his beautiful slacks. Maybe I got the sport coat on right now. You're always so sharp. You have it on right now at home, sport coat? I'm wearing a tuxedo for this. There you go. <laughs> I just have when I find out I'm on with Fred <laughs> yeah. and Murph, uh-huh. Murph and Fred, I got to get dressed up for the occasion, even if it's on the radio. I just got one quick question. <laughs> we're, we're short on time, but one of the things I mentioned it to Murph earlier, one of the most surprising things that happened this week with the White Sox wasn't a Brayu three-year deal. It wasn't Yasmani Grandal. It was them parting ways with Omar Vizquel. What was your original thought of that? Oh, yeah. Well, so I'd heard this was coming down the pipeline. I didn't report it. Um, it was, you know what, I, I think, you know, I, I'm just reading between the lines here. Uh, the Sox really want to work on development, development, development. And uh, for whatever reason, I mean, Omar Skell was manager of the year with Winston-Salem right. in his first year as a manager. And it did seem uh, from, you know, where I'm sitting, there wasn't a ton of development that was going on with the Barons. They promoted him to Birmingham last season. Hmm. And I think that was where there was there seemed to be some sort of disconnect uh, between what Vizquel was doing as manager and what the front office wanted to do with uh, the players and how one wanted to see them develop. And, okay. Uh, for whatever reason, that's what happened. Hey, great stuff. Thanks for your personal time, as always. Uh, great Thanksgiving and holidays. Thanks and a million. And don't forget, listen to the White Sox Talk podcast. It yes. seems like you guys do one. You do one immediately after a signing, so you got you got to oh, have yeah. all your equipment ready. We did four of them this week. <laughs> there you go. And, by the way, 
Fred, this is right up your alley. you got to check out the uh, Robin Ventura, Nolan Ryan distant replay we did. We looked back at that big fight that happened in 1993, spent like an hour on it. More like pummeling, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. A lot of good stuff in there. You'd like Cool. It. Sounds great. I thought you and Cap were going to recreate it live. <laughs> Who's to say we won't? <laughs> Thanks, Chuck. That would be uh, we'd pay, we'd pay to see that one. <laughs> Thanks, see, Chuck. See you, Chuck. Thanks, All right. Chuck Garfine. Oh. Perfect friend. They have a great time in the White Sox oh, Talk yeah. podcast. If you're a Sox fan, it's a great place to get uh-huh. a lot of updated Sox information and great opinions from a lot of good guys that know what they're talking about. Hey, when we return, final Twitter poll of the day for this was for Cub fans and Bears fans only. I think I'm going to go vote on it right now. <laughs> Which trade hurts more? A, the high draft picks for uh, Khalil Mack, or Dylan Cease and Eli Jimenez for Quintana. Cup fans who are also Bears fans, which trade hurts more, the Mack trade or the Quintana trade? It's ESPN 1000. Cup fans and Bears fans have voted. Which trade hurt more, hurts more right now? Well, the Bears traded those draft picks for Mack. And Theo traded uh, Cease and Eloy for Quintana. A, the Mac trade hurts more. B, the Quintana trade hurts more. I'm voting B as a Cub fan. Now the Cub fans were out. 81% said the Quintana trade. 19% oh, say the uh, the Mac trade. That trade will be right there with Lou Brock and Ernie Brolio. Who? Google them up. <laughs> Google them up. So the Bears lose by 10, right, Fred? Uh-huh. And they had three chances at field goals. Uh, they they missed two and one they didn't even try. Say they all go through it. That's nine, right, in the first quarter there? Yeah. And how about the field goal no one talks about by the Rams that went over the top of the upright and uh, was ruled good? Say it wasn't. That's three off. And that's, that's a 12-point swing. Even the kicker wasn't sure. What was the rule? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Here's NBC. Here's Al Michaels. Goff. Again, a ton of time. Let's go right here to uh, Let's take a look it. at this kick now. SNF kicks. They use Doppler radar, which tells us no thunderstorms are in the neighborhood. And it also shows us that this goes over the top of the upright. According to SNF kicks, it was good. And as Terry McCauley has explained in the past, the entire ball has to go over the... Inside the outside part of the goalpost, the entire ball must pass over the entire outside of the goalpost. So, you tell me. <laughs> what? After all that, inside the outside edge. How about that? Rule? You got it. Uh, do you have any idea what they're talking about there? Yeah, but I think he said it wrong. I think he yeah. means the entire ball had to be inside the outside part of the goalpost. Well, it wasn't. It was right over the top of it. It looked yeah, like. Yeah, I. I think that they saw because that's why the guys stand where they do because they look straight up. Yeah, and if they see any part of the ball on the other side of the goalpost, they're supposed to call it no good. Over it or on the other side? On the of other it? side of it, they wouldn't see it over it because they're standing right underneath well, it. They're looking straight up. Uh, yeah. So if they see any part of the ball on the other side, wouldn't it then seem it should more be logical that if it hit? If it looked like it was going to hit any no, part, no, no, I agree. I, it should not count. Right, but that's apparently not what the rule is. Um, so the rule should be written um, should be written differently. So they're assuming with the rule that if you hit the inner half of the upright, it'll probably doink. Not if not if, not if Parky's kicking not it. Not if Parky's kicking. No, not at all. 
There's no chance that's going to happen. Just think, those three field goals the Bears cannot convert two misses and the one they don't try. Yeah. And that one there, how come the uprights don't go higher? I guess, what, too much money? They should go to infinity. <laughs> Actually, what they should do is they should have a laser going straight out well, from there. What was he talking about Doppler? I, what I, was that all about? I don't, I don't know how they are able to check it with Doppler they radar. The, the ref made the, uh, Someone uh, should have actually you know, brought in Tracy Butler to ask him how they can check that with uh, Doppler radar. The, so. the, 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 the love Tracy. I love this show. Yep. I love this show. We appreciate you. Hey, I want to thank all our guests today. Patrick Finley, Bears guy to Sun-Times, Chuck Garfine, Sox guy at NBC Sports Chicago. Yep. Thanks to Eric and Tyler for all their help. Yeah. Don't forget Come on out tomorrow. Cool. Me and Steve Michael McMichael from 9 till noon. We will be at Fatty's. No jokes there. <laughs> we'll be at Fatty's out in DeKalb. We'll be there from 9 till noon right here on ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.